You are listening to the Disruptive Minds Podcast, home of the entrepreneur. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Disruptive Minds. In this episode, we have the privilege of diving into the transformative journey of Dr. David Pierce. He's a seasoned surgical restoration dentist with an illustrious 38-year career. After successfully selling his practice in 2021, Dr. Pierce has redirected his passion towards coaching his fellow dentists to accelerate their success. With two recently authored books, Walk the Walk and Office Revenue and Profit in the Top 1% Profitability, Dr. Pierce has not only achieved financial freedom in his mid-50s, but also maintains an an enviable work-life balance, closing his office for 12 to 14 weeks each year. Join us as he shares insights on leadership, cultivating an engaged team, and how to be a true leader that can inspire both your team and your patients. Get ready to be inspired. Hi, David. Welcome to Disruptive Minds. We're real excited to talk to you today about service-based businesses, especially local service-based businesses that serve customers. Hi, Bill. Great to be on your show. Thanks for the invitation. So could you give the listeners a little bit of an insight into your background and kind of how you got here today? Yeah, certainly. Love to. Uh, so, you know, long story short, uh, general dentist, uh, always had an interest in learning, lifelong learner type of individual. And dentistry offers a lot of opportunity for dentists to master their craft, if you will, in many different ways, uh, especially in today's world. So I, being a lifelong learner type person, pursued that probably with the thinking that if you become a master at dentistry, the business success part will just take care of itself. Um, that was a, a incorrect assumption, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, that was mine. And so uh, that that being said, I you know went through and I was intrigued by the full mouth reconstruction and then the surgical aspect and the sedation aspect of dentistry. And so really the last probably 10, 15 years of my career was more uh, more geared to treating people with full-blown dental disabilities such that they don't go out in public much because they're embarrassed by the smile or they just can't eat well. Therefore, they're avoiding restaurants and friends' houses and things like that because they know they just can't eat the foods that are being served. Uh, so a general overall you know, lessening of quality of their life to what dentistry can do today is just totally reverse that and really just give people a new, a new birth on all the things in their life that they want to be and can't. And so really the last 10, 15 years, my team and I, that's what we were focused on. And then in 2021, the time had come in my mind to exit the clinical side of dentistry and really focus on what I also enjoy doing very much is the business aspect of dentistry. And so I now in 2021, I started a, a consulting coaching business. Actually, I started a few years earlier than that, but really focused on it full time and uh, wrote a couple of books in the first part of this year on the subject of uh, really business and dentistry, uh, business period. The, the first book is called Peak Success, uh, Entrepreneurial Guide to Business Prosperity. So it's really applicable to certainly any small business and very business in general, because business principles don't change that much from business to business. Uh, and then a second book on uh, wealth accumulation in a tax reduced manner. And, and then I'm in the process of writing a third book now. But so the consulting business is really you know, what I found, uh, Bill, you know, as I went through my training clinically, is I met so many dentists that were just way more talented 
uh, intellectually and just clinically than I could ever really hope to be. Um, and yet talking to them and asking, like, you must be doing this all day long, like I am, uh, they'd say, like, yeah, no, once in a while, not very often. And then, you know, the excuses seem, seem to be, you know, well, insurance doesn't cover it or patients don't want to invest that much or the economy or whatever, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, to me, that was all falling into the business side of thing. And I always looked at that and said, you know, what a shame it is to the population of people that have these just amazingly trained individuals and all these gifts that they could share and they're not sharing it in a way that they could be. So, so now I, I, I say I kind of live vicariously, you know, through my clients, helping them to achieve that same business success, uh, which we measure by like, so how many people you're truly helping? You know, to me, like uh, this probably isn't fair to the construction folks that might be listening, but you know, it's hard to get really excited about, get excited to get excited about having a whole new house to live in, a whole new renovated house. But when you get a new roof, it just doesn't like, boy, oh, isn't that great? Got a new roof. It's like, no. Nah. And, and a lot of dentistry, I think, is the same way. You know, oh, I got a crown on the back tooth, or oh, I got some fillings, or you know, oh, I got uh, you know a root canal done, or something like that. You know, the immediate gratification is there, but within a day or two, or whatever, you're like you're back to your normal, you know, day to day life. Whereas the dentistry that uh, that we were doing and our, our clients are focused on is you know, just so life changing. It's just so gratifying, so much fun. Yeah, I really like that you threw in there, you know, construction workers, because one of the things I picked up on while you were talking was the idea that, you know, you go to school for dentistry, you learn all these skills. Yeah. But you don't really learn the business side of things, right? You don't really learn how to advertise, how to go out there and get customers and get clients in through the door. And what you learn is very little. And this is true in a lot of industries, especially for like non business majors. Like if you're an accountant, you know, you got to open an accounting business or you got to go work for somebody else. If you're a dentist, you got to open your own practice or you got to go work for somebody else. If you're a construction worker, you could be a contractor or you got to go work for somebody else. But somebody indefinitely is going to end up being the person taking care of that business function. And that person is going to get more reward than the guy who is just, you know, getting paid hourly for their services because they're very skilled. So, you know, this business side of things is applicable in so many different industries mm -hmm. that people don't even realize that they're about to get into business. Like somebody that goes to a barbershop school might not realize they're really going to be running a business. They're not going to be running, you know, mm -hmm. I open, a, I put a sign on the door and people come in and get a haircut. They're going to have to run a business. Right. Right. You are. That's true. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. You're right. And it's, it's an interesting insight. Bill, that, you know, that a lot of them may not even be thinking about that. Like they are, but they're not. Like if someone says, oh, you're going to start a business. Like, uh, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I'm just going to cut hair. Like, but you're going to have to do it in the business. <laughs> yeah, you got to, you got to make money. You can't just, you know, put a right. sign on the door and let people walk in. So one of the things I wanted to get into today was kind of how does having a service-based business differ from a product-based business or a technology-based business? I know we talked about some of the facts that, you know, people have skills that they've developed and, you know, different levels of capabilities and different things that they do. But how does this really differ from your traditional, you know, I go to the store and some guy is trying to sell me hair conditioner? <laughs> yeah, great question. Uh, I think that it's interesting that you say that because I think that's one of the struggles that 
I run into or that or clients are running into or dentists before we work client run into, which is that that the general public for dentistry and maybe maybe for other things, may, maybe for everything, but, but for sure for dentistry is the general public will try to commoditize, you know, what we're doing. Um, so like, you know, saying like, you know, so if I said, you know, a Ford 150, blah, 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 same call, whatever, it doesn't matter if I buy a Bob's auto or Bill's auto or Sally's auto, it's the same commodity. It's the Ford 150, whatever. And there's other stuff that may go along with that, the service and the nice, but, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Um, and a lot of, you know, patients will say, well, a crown, you know, is a crown is a crown. And, you know, what I know is like, well, one that couldn't be further from the truth. And then two would be like, well, but the process of going from the beginning of the crown, say to the end of the crown, does it matter what dentist does it to you? Like all dental experiences are the same. Like, you know, mm -hmm. all those experiences are totally the same. It makes no difference whatsoever. And you know, of course, people very quickly it's like, well, you know, whatever. Oh no, I had this one dentist. She was amazing. She was amazing. You know, so so, and then dentists tend to even incorporate that. They'll look at it and just say, like, how do I differentiate myself? And I say, well, from a patient's perception, it's all a crown's a crown a crown. So you know, you're you're going to have a harder time, I feel, help helping them understand that a crown isn't a crown isn't a crown you're going to have to work very, very hard on the service side of it, on the relationship side of it, to differentiate, differentiate yourself because that's where people are used to making differences. So they can appreciate the difference between, you know, the Ritz-Carlton and the Motel 6 or the high-end restaurant versus the, the lower-end fast food restaurant. You know, they know the differences and they can appreciate the difference in the, in the product as well, but they also have a very good appreciation for that difference in service and the relationship and that kind of stuff. So... Um, it's a really great question, yeah. And so for me, uh, I think that that's the big key is that is if you're in a strictly in a commodity business, then it's got to be all about like margins and speed and volume. I'm guessing, you know, if you're selling widgets. Um, but if you're in the service business, or if you're in a business, you can focus on the service side. That allows you to create a, a, a niche, you know, around the service part, and then the product you're you're offering is part of that for sure. That has to be up to the same standards as the rest of it but it maybe takes some of the focus off of that particular item that people are getting. Yeah, it's really interesting that the last interview we did, uh, which would be the episode before this, was all about differentiation, right? How to differentiate yourself as a business, as a product, and kind of break away from, you know, the loud noise of clutter there in the middle. And you're right. When you're receiving a service, especially whether it's dental, whether it's somebody doing drywall at your house, whether it's somebody doing plumbing, right? It's, there's a quality to the work, right? There's a quality to the experience, right? Did somebody leave drywall dust all over your house or did somebody not get the Novocaine, right? In the dental procedure, right? right? Like there's all these little factors that, you know, if we were to sit down and talk about this afterwards, you go, man, I wish I would have saw that coming. But people tend to view this like widgets. So when you're marketing yourself as a, you know, a small service-based business, one of the key things here is to find that differentiator and to really emphasize it. So that way it's clear where the value is compared to maybe a cheaper service, right? Maybe a, a service right down the road. 
and really standing apart from that because otherwise you run into the Starbucks conundrum, right? If yeah. two coffee shops open on the corner and they compete on price, in no time we're selling 99 cents a coffee. But if you put a fireplace in, play some relaxing music and paint the place green and put a lady on the cup, you can sell it for six bucks all day. <laughs> <Isn't that true? laughs> so, you know, with that being said, how has your experience running a, a you know, a business to consumer business really differ from a lot of these businesses that, you know, we have on the show that, you know, their business is selling to other businesses, you know, they're chasing that one whale client. How does it really differ in the sales process? Sure. Yeah. Well, I know I would say, you know, the, the age old thing, you know, people buy for one of two reasons you know, it, it was the, it's the hope of gain or to avoid risk. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, just that aversion. And so and, and we know psychologists have taught us, you know, that that the, the emotion behind avoiding a loss is greater than the emotion of achieving or getting something. And so mm -hmm. you know, in dentistry, so I think, you know, that from, from a dentist, if you're just specifically speaking about our particular industry, it's, a, you know, it's certainly marketing needs to be focused on those things that people can relate to. Like, you know, I don't know about you, Bill, but, you know, you're like many people, if, you, if, if you know, if I go to a, uh, like later on today, I'll be with a bunch of people that I don't know. I know one person and then there's going to be a bunch of other people I don't know. And at some point in time, people oftentimes talk, they're like, what do you do? And even though I may not be doing clinical dentistry anymore, I'm still, you know, DDS after my name, coaching. And so you say you're a dentist and then everybody has their stories, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like anything though, probably like, oh yeah, I'm a plumber. Oh, let me tell you my plumber story. Uh, and they're not always good. You know, sometimes they're like, oh, you know, the, the plumber story, the dentist story from hell. Um, but at the same point in time, you know, when you listen to those, it's, it's, it often is touching on some sort, it's always touching on some sort of emotion that they have and they associate that. So any sort of the marketing that we did, you know, it would be looking at, at, at that aspect of, you know, it, it's likely that you are a frustrator of this. It's likely that you're scared about that. It's likely that you're looking for this kind of a game. Uh, those kind of things, I think those kind of pique people's interest, one. Uh, and then two, for me in our industry, and I think it's true of every industry that, I mean, that there are other first points of contact in marketing, but certainly that first uh, actual person to person, like phone call, usually conversation, that's just so critical, I think, in our industry that to set yourself apart on that, where you're really exploring, you know, who is this that's calling, why are they calling, and what is it that you're looking to get out of your visit, and what are your concerns, and so forth, and then tell you a little about how we approach uh, dentistry from a relationship standpoint and how we feel certain things are important to you and what this visit is going to look like and what we're what we're all about and and again i think that you know a very nice restaurant done well at either at hello on the phone maybe not when you make the appointment or the uh, reservation but when you walk in you know you get a very quick sense of how they're different uh than other people other places you just you just are kind of brought into that culture that way and uh if there's if they're going to be successful in that in that higher end niche uh or very specialized niche and then so i think same thing with dentistry at least the dentistry that we were doing um and uh, and i guess if i was going to do an aside on that you know i think that the a liability my word of, of being a dentist is that unlike many businesses there there may be i'll just say it that way enough demand that you could just be mediocre pay no attention to any of that stuff and you'll still be able to put you know bread on the table for many years you'll do um, 
quote unquote, okay. Um, and so that pressure, whereas if a restaurant said, we're gonna be a high-end restaurant, we're gonna do this, you gotta, you gotta be really, really on your game all the time. Everything has to be elevated to a very high level or you know, it'd be space for rent, space for lease, you know, you're, you're gone. Yeah, it's interesting that you use restaurants as an example because I'm pretty sure there's a statistic out there where it's like two thirds of all restaurants fail in the first five years of opening their doors or something like that. Quick, like, yeah. like restaurants are notorious for, you know, opening and closing and changing hands 55,000 times. Right. And you're right. If you don't differentiate yourself on something, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You're not going to be around long. Right. And I think this is really the the key to a lot of these businesses, especially you know service based businesses, is having one or two things that you particularly excel at that right. you can stand behind and go, no, this is what we do. The other guy just doesn't. This is what we do. This right. isn't something we do as like a side service, yeah. right? Like this is why roofers put roofs on when you could probably hire a contractor and he'd figure it out. Right. If yeah. it's the reason why you go to Meineke for an oil change, you yeah. know, it, it's there's certain places that they go. These are the one or two areas where we want to excel. And because of this, you know, this is the target we're going to we're going to aim for. So, you know, if you I assume it's probably similar in dentistry where, you know, there's maybe one or two procedures that you're really good at and you excel over other people in the area. And because of that, you want to try to get more of that kind of business. Yeah, that's that was exactly our focus. In some ways, it was probably much more fortuitous that I kind of stepped into that because I had a very strong interest in just learning. And I found that the regular, I'll just call it bread and butter type dentistry, the fillings and cleanings and, you know, single crowns and smaller root canals and you know, easier tooth removals, those kinds of things they weren't boring to just be like so there has to be more to this whole healthcare helping people thing than just doing that all day long for the next how many decades of my life um and so for me it was that thirst for for doing more and that kind of drove me into a niche of just much more advanced uh, type of dentistry that uh, it wasn't good it wasn't bad it just was what it was uh and uh and i really enjoyed doing that and and yet a number of people just would be like, well, I don't want to do that. Like that's, that's too much work to get, you know, to master all that, or it's too much this or too much that or whatever. And uh, which is, which is true of any niche, right, Bill? You know, I mean, if you become the master, you know, dress hair salons in New York or London or Paris, whatever it is, well, you've gone to lots of courses and studied lots of stuff and looked at it and gotten very refined where every, you know, every movement is creating something by, by intention. Um, so, um, yeah, that's, yep, that's, so that's how I stepped into mine, but I think that my, that niche, uh, but I, certainly a better way would be to look at it and say, what am I interested in? And then now I'm interested in that. And now how do we become a master and really focus on that or a couple of things like you mentioned? Yeah, no, I like to use the word sphere of genius, right? Cause it kind of encompasses all mm. of that, yeah. right? Like the yeah. idea of like, what are you interested in? What are you good at? Where's that intersection? How can we build something unique out of that where you can go, you know, I'm the guy who owns this space. This is my space. This is my sphere of genius. This is my expertise. And, you know, I really carve this out for myself and it's, you know, mine. Right. Yeah. Well, I like that phrase. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. You're right. Yep. That pulls it all together. So one of the things I wanted to talk about today was how, 
is different when you're trying to build a local customer base, right? Like you have a physical location, you're trying to get somebody in the door compared to some of this other types of advertising that, you know, my listeners might be more familiar with in the world of like PPC advertising and, you know, Google ads and the whole nine yards. Like I'm sure you do some of that, but I'm sure your strategy looks a little different. I would guess that every dentist would like to say that they get all their business by referrals of their patients. Now, their customer base is, is such a group of raving fans that they just get flooded with all that, and that's all that they they uh, that they need to sustain their business. And and my feeling would be that that's probably too true in two different areas. You know, one is the individual that's that's who who does not have a niche that they're just doing, you know, the bread and butter dentistry for virtually anybody participating with all kinds of insurances and things like that. Um, the insurances and, and all those things are driving people there and, and they're probably being looked at more as a commodity where it's mm -hmm. a price driven decision rather than anything else uh, on the one end. And then the other end are the, are the dentists who have mastered, I'll say, mastered the clinical part and a very strong ability in a lot of different things, in leadership and desire and drive. And so they've, they've become known as at least regional, if not national, international experts in that field. And so they, they oftentimes become the, where all their patients are being referred to them. And 50, 60, 70% of those patients are dentists. Because they go get dentists, go to the courses, and the courses are given by these gurus, uh, just masterful dentists. And they say, Well, I have to have that done in my mouth, so I'll go see this guy. And mm -hmm. uh, so, but everybody in between, uh, for me, I've never been a, a, a I've never been an above the radar personality type person, uh, you know, driven and intense in my way, but no desires to speak to large groups or have my name thrown around throw around or flash around or anything like that. You know, it's like, I just want to do awesome stuff under the radar, help people. And, uh, and that's awesome. So for us, it's really direct to consumer, you know, a lot of it because, you know, our patient base is, is interesting to me that if you, which we routinely did, you know, can we talk to you about, can we, you know, do a testimonial, this kind of stuff. And, and it, I can really appreciate this, you know, that for some people, they may, they go from having a smile that they're not obviously a smile, a smile that they're not at all proud of to a smile that now they are proud of and people notice it. Wow, oh, you have such a gorgeous smile. So at that point, you know, there's, there's not two different types of people, but I'll say that there are one group, which is, yeah, I have to tell you about my dental team. Like they're just amazing what they did for me. And the other part is like, I don't want you to think this is anything other than God's work. So I'm not going to tell you about anything. I'm just a gorgeous looking guy. I'm just a gorgeous mm -hmm. looking guy. Um, and so to rely on your patient base, you can have raving fans, but to rely strictly on, you know, the ones that we were doing that kind of dentistry for to refer people that they know, um, it, in my world, I wasn't going to work. So we had to go direct to consumer and then, then it went back to that same kind of, you know, marketing message, which was, you know, uh, it, it, depending on what medium we were using, but it was, it was about here's, here's disabilities that you may have and here's solutions that we have and here's testimonials of people who have gone before you with different stories. And if the story resonates with you, you know, give us a call. Yeah. It's interesting that you, that you said that there's two groups of people because every time you see the ads for hair restoration or mm. dental work or any kind of like um, weight loss and whatnot, 
I always like the fact that they cut the face out. Yeah. So it's always a picture of the top of the head or super zoomed in on the smile or just the body. And it's like, it, it, it's interesting that it's like, you know, these people are clearly very, very satisfied by their results they've gotten from the team that's worked with them. But at the same time, there still is that little like ounce of, well, I don't want the whole world to know that like, you know, I just had Bosley done last week. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think that's like an interesting uh, place because like even coming from like a personal, like I've had probably two or three cavities in my life yeah. and I have friends that have had zero. Yeah. And when I mention, hey, I'm going to the dentist today to go get a cavity filled, mm -hmm. it's like a look of horror from their face. Like, oh <laughs> man, he doesn't brush his teeth. It's like, no, I, I, I brush my teeth. I just, you know, yeah. I, I guess yeah. I'm a little more predisposition to cavities than you are, but you know, I, yeah. I I don't I don't know. But the thing is, it, it's amazing how like there is a stigma around this sort of thing, and that. It's interesting that your industry in particular falls into the category where, you know, there might be a little harder time getting people to open up their friends and go, hey, you know, this guy did this work on my smile and, you know, it's not totally organic. But you could benefit from this because it's yeah. kind of like calling your friend fat and right. also <laughs> and also admitting you got work done at the same time. Right. Yeah, right. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's a very, very thin, thin ice you got to walk over right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's really it's really interesting. So ob obviously, you know, you're a little more specialized in your service, but yep. uh, you know, there's a million dentists out there. You know, there's a million contractors. There's a million garages, right? There's a million plumbers, right? We can just go on and on that's right. about these like local, uh, you know, I'll call them yellow pages esque businesses. Yeah. So it's a big sea of competition. What do you think the key is to really standing out against, you know, local competition, people in your backyard? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you've already, you already hit on it, you know, which is, well, I, mean, I would say maybe there's two things. One is, is, you know, have a niche. I mean, I'll just say have a, have a, uh, a product niche, because if you, you know, if you, if you if you said like for instance oh we do botox injections or such and such well you know a certain number of people say like, i know what botox is and i want to know about that mm -hmm. whereas if you say oh we're uh we do excellent dentistry oh as opposed to the guy that says we do crappy dentistry like no like you can't differentiate yourself on the service side of it by mm -hmm. at, with word testimonials that can help but the words themselves can't really do that so i would say you know, definitely get get a look at developing your skill set into a niche when it comes to this the actual clinical services you're providing. But then, and it's so easy. You know, I'll, I'll just be in my mind truthful that that customer service in the United States is just atrocious, <laughs> and we've gotten so used to it being atrocious that you know it we, we doesn't even bother people anymore. It's like they just kind of expect to get poor service. Um, and so to actually offer like truly caring, empathetic, here's, here's, you know, we do what we say and we say what we do. And when we don't, we're, we're, you know, where we stand behind who we are and we, we are recognize the fact that we make mistakes. And when we do, we are to hold ourselves accountable to those. And we always are becoming better and we're always providing more for people. 
um, that to differentiate yourself on that so that that the niche product, if you will, service part, the clinical part will bring people in the door, but then the, the but then they start looking and say, wow, this place is, I just feel like I'm at home here. They're taking good care of me. They, they got me, they trust, I trust them, I like them, and I wanna do business with people that I trust and I like. And then out of that, um, then you can start really, truly developing a business that has, you know, grows in revenue, grows in services, grows in profit, all the, all the business stuff that comes once you make all the people happy. Yeah, something that you said there that really hit me, and I never drew the connection before I, I was hearing this, was the idea that I think bad customer service is actually symptomatic of a price war mentality. Mm. As in, if you are having a healthy margin, if you have a lot of meat left on the bone, right, you can be grateful for to the customer that's giving you that margin, and you can return the favor by giving you know, the proper attention, the proper care, and an overall great customer experience because yeah. you have the room to expend on that. Where if you're cutting your margin so low, so close, where you're in a vicious price battle, that's why a lot of these companies today outsource their, uh, you know, their, their customer service to telemarketers in India, right? Yeah. If there yeah. was more margin, you know, you'd be talking to, you know, Susie in Wisconsin. Yeah. But because they've, have competitors that are so aggressive on the price that they feel the need to take those steps too. And one of the obvious places to cut uh, costs is in labor, which is customer service. Right. So, right. I, I mean, I think it's one of the first hallmarks of a company that is competing on prices to, you know, go, well, you know, they're getting a good deal. They shouldn't complain about the service. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, yeah. And I think in dentistry, I mean, just my experience in dentistry, you know, for instance, you know, as, as an example, in addition to what you're saying, Bill, is that, uh, is do, do people even know what good customer service is? Like, I, mean, I just find people, you know, they're, you know, they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. And, and I'll say customer service, I'll say relationship-based customer service, as opposed to just customer service and I would draw a, a difference between those two. But for instance, so I, I'm in healthcare, right? So mm -hmm. if somebody comes in, you know, don't I have an obligation to let you who came to me to know the total truth about your mouth? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's my job. And so if I was going to show you something, if I showed you a picture of things in your mouth and you said, oh my God, like that's, ugh, that's so horrible you know, that I've found lots of folks that maybe are starting to work with this. So oh, I can't do that to somebody. That'd be rude. That'd be whatever. I said, like, that's your, that's your job. I mean, like, you know, the, the, the surgeon that's taking out your, whatever he says, here's the x-ray, here's the MRI, here's this, here's the picture. This is just you. That's, this is why we're doing it. Here's the evidence of what we're doing. And, and whether you don't like the way it looks or not, it's like, I'll hope, I'll hope you feel better about that. Like, it's not, it's not a judgment. Like you say about the cavity, we're not judging you on this. It's not, it wasn't like you said, you know, maybe your susceptibility, I'm sure you're right. You're just susceptible to a disease we call dental cavities, just like other people are susceptible to a disease we call high blood pressure or, you know, a form of cancer or anything, all the disease that has to do with, you know, some genetics and some just susceptibility factors. And so, uh, you know, so that idea and, and like, for instance, to me, you know, I've said to people, so if you say, if we say we're going to have a close relationship with our patients. Like we're, we're truly gonna care about our patients, say. 
and and I've you know I've had this conversation many times with I said so so what if you said if you say something to a patient like you had this going on you had this disease in your mouth you had this disease you came to us you know who we are you know what we do we're in dentistry so forth and here's the diseases and then they said yeah no I don't want to, I don't want to do anything about it. you know my insurance won't cover it uh, I'm going to put the money into an RV I'm going, to, I'm going to fix my bathroom instead I'm going to leave the disease there and mm-hmm. and then the you know the the team member might say, uh, oh, well, okay, um, well, if you change your mind, you know, I'll see you in six months. Okay, so that's that story. So then supposing like your husband comes home and I say, how was your day, dear? And, you know, you went to see the, the doctor today, right? How'd that go? Well, you know, he's told me that, uh, you know, making this up, right, Bill? He, he told mm-hmm. me that I have uh, prostate cancer. Oh, so well, what are you going to do about it? Oh, nothing. Then you'd say to your husband, oh, okay. Well, you know, we're going to go out to dinner. You got to take Billy to hockey. I'm go there. And you never talk about it again. You'd be like, no, you would. Well, wait, wait, wait. What, what do you mean? No. Like, wait, we got to talk more about this. And, and you do that because you care about the person. You want you, you like there's like I want to help you. And so, I don't understand why you're saying no. And so to me, that's part of that's an obligation on people that work in dentistry, any medical field, but dentistry for sure, to kind of help not help patients help understand why what's getting this person's way to treat this especially when if you ask them so if somebody else if your wife had this condition if your daughter your son your your best friend has had this dental condition would you recommend they get it fixed and they say oh yeah of course like Mm -hmm. so why not you so to me that's in that customer services i look at that relationship part that's something to me which isn't Depending on price, that's that's actually like a like. Do I actually have an obligation to do that? Is that part of what I'm supposed to do? Like that's my job. Uh, one, do I have the skill set to just you know? Do I feel good enough about myself to you know kind of confront somebody about that whole thing in a loving, empathetic way? Uh, and it's not your spouse. It's not that's not the relationship we have with people. But at the same point in time, it's not just a uh, like an order taker. Like you know, would you like would you like the cavities fixed? Yes. Oh, no. Okay. Check. Would you like the gum sticks? Yes. No. Okay. Check. Whatever that might be, you know, check, check, check. Okay. There's the order. And that's it. It's not that. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting that you kind of pointed out the idea of the relationship. And one of the small sidebars I wanted to just throw in here is that there is a difference in how each generation reacts to relationships and how to go about building that relationship and building that trust. As in some of the older generation might be better off with a phone call, right? They might really, really, really appreciate that. While some of your Gen X clients might be more applicable to text messages, you know, emails, right? That that might be a better way to reach them. While, you know, the younger audience, they might want to just go online and book an appointment without ever talking to somebody because they've never picked up the phone and called anybody in their life, right. you know, and how you manage these relationships across these different generations and, and uh, different, you know, customer groups can also matter. And that, that was one of the things I want to throw out there. Yeah, that's very true. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I you know, I'm, I'm old school in my training. Uh, and at the same point in time, it seems, you know, as I, I'm just like, just so impressed uh, when I first went through, like I mentioned, I enjoy learning. So, you know, if you go back uh, a few decades when I was starting my career and looking into this advanced training, 
that if I was in a room and I was, you know, 40 or 45 year old, years old, I would look around and say, I'm like one of the younger guys in the room here. And now if you go in a room and you're 40, 45, you'd be like, man, 60% of these people are younger than I am. And there's people here who haven't gotten out of dental school yet and are already taking these advanced courses. Like they're just going to hit the ground running so fast. Mm -hmm. And, and the ones though that I, you know, that, so they're young, you know, young in a sense, like they're, you know, mid twenties. Um, so they're not teenagers, but they're in, the, in whatever generation that is, millennials or Gen X. I'm not sure where that starts and stops. Um, they would still say the same thing. You know, that when we are doing this kind of dentistry for people, we have to like slow it down and lots of face to face time. Mm -hmm. Kind of like that same old thing, you know, like that texting is great for sending an idea, but there's so much emotion and other stuff that goes into the relationship that, you know, it's like, you know, the dating might start in an online forum, but it never gets serious until you meet each other. Right. Like nobody starts making decisions. Can I trust this person? Like, like, I mean, I, I've talked to some of my uh, nieces and nephews and so forth. And they'll say, oh, you're like, I, I could never call somebody up. I couldn't do that. Like first, you know, first time I have to go text and say, okay. So like in their relationship, how much trust did you have before you met the person? Like, mm -hmm. well, enough to meet them, <laughs> but not much, not, not much more than that. So, yeah, so, see, that's the thing. You can't, you can't develop trust until you do something about this, you know, seeing the person, that energy that comes, that sixth sense, that, that even touch, you know, shaking hands, hugging, you know, whatever that looks like. There's so much communication happens in nonverbal ways um, that can't possibly be transmitted through, through any sort of electronic uh, communication it seems to come back to that many times cool so we're getting to the end here so what are you up to next and how can the listeners find you well so yeah you know so the, the name of my coaching business is ultimate success in dentistry easy to find you know my my name you know david pierce last name different spelling but you know it's right there um website is ultimate two websites they go same place ultimate success dot dentist so ultimate success dentist i would encourage everyone to check out david's website um especially if you're in the dental field i'm sure he could help you out um i'm gonna be putting all those resources down in the description thank you so much for coming on david i really appreciated having you i just want to remind the listeners that we are monday and friday so make sure that you do not miss a single episode of the disruptive minds podcast